0: How is everyone doing out there? This is the ninth episode of Cooper's Chalk Talk. So, kicking off today, I want to talk about federal income tax brackets, um, capital gains tax, and then also I want to talk about the um, the Cortez. She she's kind of proposing a higher tax bracket as well on the extreme rich so i want to talk a little bit about that i want to drop the top 20 early 2019 fantasy football draft order and also we're going to just talk about those those couple games that went on this past week and some wild wild games really really genuine some of the best college basketball I've seen, to be 100% honest with you. Um, the Purdue game was wild. I thought that they had that wrapped up. Virginia's able to smack it back and get a, get a shot, take it into overtime, and they just manhandled it in overtime. So, really good stuff. Kind of go over some of those games. Um, but first things first, you know, I think it, it is federal income tax season. And I think a lot of times, you know, people just kind of plug in their numbers and they just shoot it off and they're like, oh, you know, I'm getting 1500 back or whatever. So, you know, I kind of wanted to break it down into a little bit more of, you you know the actual tax bracket what does it mean and what kind of what what kind of money actually falls into it so taxable income bracket there's a there's a couple of different ones so right now the tax rate if you make under nine thousand five hundred dollars you're in a ten percent tax and tax bracket um if you make between ninety five hundred and thirty eight thousand seven hundred you're in a twelve percent tax bracket um so and then if you're um 38,700 or up to 82,000 you're at a 22% tax bracket um, if you're above 82,500 to 157,000, you're at 24% income tax bracket. Um, at 157,000, you go up to 32%, and that's it goes all the way up to 200,000. 200,000 to 500,000 is at 35%, and 500,000 is at 37%. So 500,000 or more. So basically, everybody's going to get taxed at 37% or more. And this actually came down. It used to be closer to about 40% until 2017. Republicans passed a, um, a tax bracket shift um, which brought it down two percent to five hundred thousand dollars or more um so kind of something just to kind of think about with this and once again i'm i'm all for taxes i think taxes can be a great thing i think when, whenever they're used and the way they're used especially you know different different things i will say i think there's a lot better things we can be using our taxes for than fighting a war in iraq right now you know i don't think that that is where we need to be spending our tax money Um, by any means of or any stretch of the imagination i i think there's tons of things we can do in school you know i think i think i read that teachers only get like a 250 dollar budget per year on on actual supplies for their classroom which i'm sure any of you guys who know a teacher work with a teacher they're spending far more than 250 dollars on stuff in their classroom whether it be like taking in cupcakes to their students, buying permanent markers, construction paper, scissors, whatever they have to buy for their classroom, you know, over the course of a year, you know, once again, they, you know, you spend a year with anybody time after time, you're going to create a great bond with them and, you know, their kids. So you create even a closer bond. So, you know, teachers want to be able to spend money and, you know, make sure that their kids are well taken care of because, you know, it's a kind of reflection of how good they do, they're doing at their job. Um, and, you know, once again, I'm not saying that teachers don't make a lot of money. I, You know, I don't I, – to be 100% honest with you, I don't know how much make, teachers make. I feel like it goes state to state. It's kind of all over the place. I hear teachers get paid like shit, and then I hear that, well, teachers are off three months of the year. So, you know, it's kind of a give and take. Um, But nonetheless, you know, expecting for someone to kind of pull out of their pocket and kind of put it back into the classroom and not get anything back out of it, especially, you know, you know, I mean, if you just look in the grand scheme of overall incomes, you know, there's not a lot of teachers you see rolling around in, in, you know, in a brand new car or anything like that so so you know obviously you know that their income isn't extremely high they're probably falling in that you know anywhere from that 12 percent you know $38,000 or less um maybe some states you know some of the higher ones maybe they're they're getting up in that 22 percent if they're, they're making over 40 but once again they're probably in a higher education as well if they are in that tax bracket that means they're paying back student loans and all that stuff so just just kind of something to think about, you know I, I think that I think that there's a lot of things that our taxes kind of go towards, and once again, the reason why I want to talk about this is because it is tax season, you know it's you know at, at a certain point in the in, in the time you kind of felt your taxes, most people use turbo tax right now, you fill it out, you felt the forms. oh, I made this much my w is already uploaded in it, I made sixty five thousand dollars this year, so i'm falling in the twenty two percent tax bracket i'm getting back fifteen hundred dollars this year. I live in let just say um, I live in Arizona cause I do, I think it is a five, a 4.2% state tax. I believe it's not extremely high. Um, so then you have that kind of come out and then, you know, w- whatever, but I just think it's extremely important that you kind of know where you're falling into. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because, you know, if you look at, if you just look at these different things, if you're single and you're in these tax brackets, you know, you're getting hit the hardest, you know, I think, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, if you look at marriage and filed um, filed jointly, you know, that tax bracket changes a little bit. So if you're married and you file jointly, at 10%, you're at 19000 So once again, this is two people, so it's important to realize that. But you know, that all the money kind of goes up. So the nice part about that is, so if you're single and you're making... Let's just throw this out there. And if you're single and you're making... Um, $100,000 this year, you're paying 24% tax by yourself. Now let's say you and your spouse together, say you guys make $150,000. So you're getting taxed 22%. So even though it's the same percentage, there's two people bringing in revenue, there's a lot more money kind of coming in. So you kind of look at that and you know, there's a 2% difference in that because you know, you're you're only getting taxed at 22% as a married couple, whereas if you're making you know $150,000 as a married couple, $100,000 as a single guy, say you know you're only you're paying 22% on that. Um, you're only paying 22% on $150,000. So. Um, but nonetheless, I just think it's kind of, I think it's kind of crazy to look at this, especially, you know, if you're a single guy out there or single lady, you know, it definitely starts to kind of hit you a little bit harder as you get a little bit, a little bit older, especially if you don't have any tax write-offs or anything to use at that respect as well. Um, and then the next thing, you know, the thing that kind of got me this year, it's kind of funny. I was bitching about this to, uh, to a couple of my friends and, you know, the capital gains tax is, you know, kind of drives me insane because so for example, so Say you invest in a stock and you pull it out within a year, you get taxed at whatever your tax rate is. So that's considered a short-term capital gains tax. So, so let's just say... This year you made once again we 'll go back to a hundred thousand you made a hundred thousand dollars you made an investment, so you put in ten thousand dollars you made six thousand dollars you 're going to get taxed on that at your same tax bracket okay so you 're going to get still taxed on that at twenty four percent so that means' just we'll we'll change that number so you made ten thousand dollars on that that means you 're going to basically give a quarter of that back to the government for you making a good investment so once again, I know everything has to be taxed, but at a certain point it is you know it is kind of crazy to think that. You make a good, you know, make a good, informative financial decision and the government is going to take a quarter of that profit. You know, it's just kind of crazy to think about and I know, you know, the most common thing I hear is, you know, oh, well, we need to tax the lower, the lower income rates less and tax the rich more. And, you know, I am by no means rich, but I think it's extremely important to kind of, you know, make sure we think about these people that are rich is as a different, different form as well. Like a lot of these people came from, from a different walk of life. You know, you don't, like a lot of people just don't get born into, you know, being a millionaire, they have to work into. And I think that it's kind of forgotten to think about how hard people have to work to get there. It is not easy to be rich. You know, it's, it's much easier to be middle of the road, middle income. And, you know, being that be in that 22% tax bracket, that middle income tax bracket, than to be in that higher tax bracket. So the reason why I say that is, um, I don't know how to say her name. Ocasa, Ocasa or Cortez, whatever. She floated a sixty to seventy percent tax rate on the richest Americans. So once again, this is on people that make over ten million dollars a year. So I know that sounds insane. You're like, all right, well, ten, if you're making ten million dollars a year, you should, you can, you can afford to get taxed at sixty percent. But people just aren't getting taxed at sixty percent. You have to remember they're still paying housing, you're still paying paying their um their what is it, their housing tax, their I can't think of what it's called, um or real estate taxes. Um they're still paying state income taxes, they're still paying, you know, their food taxes, they're you know, more more than likely if they're making ten million dollars a year, they're having to pay to have employees. You know, it's just something to think about. If you tax anybody above 50% of what they're bringing in, literally that should be criminal to a certain extent. I can't believe that you would think that it's okay to take anybody's half of what they're making money-wise. So, once again, you know, and the thing is is that you look at a lot of these companies that are, that, that you know, for example, Apple. Apple doesn't get taxed nearly that rate. You think about how much money they have that goes out of the country; they're getting ran offshores and whatnot. I think it's insane to think that you have so many people truly thinking that you know, oh well, this guy's making ten million dollars. We should tax him at the most we possibly can. And the thing is that a lot of people right now they look at Donald Trump and they think of every single rich person being like Donald Trump. So if they don't like Donald Trump, they're going to think, oh well, we should just tax all of them. We should tax all that much more. They can afford it. It doesn't hurt them as much. Um, you know, I'm only making sixty thousand dollars a year. I'm having a harder time getting by than them. So just tax them more. But once again, I I just want to make this conceptualize. This is that it is not easy to become a multimillionaire. So, you know, the, the, the thing that kind of comes to mind, you know, once again, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know really anything about, um, this guy named Nipsey Hussle, uh, you know I've heard his music before, but I didn't really know too much about it. I saw one of my friends post a thing on Instagram, you know, saying that he was a real estate mogul. So I did a little bit of research on the guy. You know, extremely sad to hear that he got shot and killed, um, and especially got shot and killed. Sounds like just you know just steps away from where he grew up and you know it, it was kind of kind of he was he was the, kind of that neighborhood he was known for that you know he kind of ran that neighborhood but nonetheless um you know this guy was known as a kid who used to hustle in the parking lot shine shoes you know he used to sell just like little random things in the neighborhood and you know that you want to talk about a guy who literally talks about coming up from nothing I think that that is that that's huge and this is a guy that he never took any handouts necessarily you know he 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 truly understood economics. Really, a very, very bright guy. If you read through, there's, there's an article on Forbes about the guy. Extremely smart gentleman. Um, talks about just the how, like how he's able to kind of. You know, he he made a thousand um, single records and he sold them for a hundred dollars a piece. And Jay Z bought a hundred and then he sold them. And then, you know, then um, you know, then he made a hundred and sold them for a thousand. So this guy understands economics. And this is a guy who, once again, the reason why I'm talking about him is, you know, this guy started from nothing and now he's a multimillionaire. And you know, once again, I don't think anybody should be taxed at a fifty percent statute. I I just don't believe in that. And the, the reason why I wanted, the reason why I brought him up is because you know. People that you think of are rich, you think of Donald Trump, you think of this white orange guy with crazy hair, who, you know, who, you know, for whatever reason, I get, you know, wearing a USA hat now is looked down upon, I think it's, you know, he's just wearing an American hat, but... Nonetheless, that's what people think of it. Whenever you think of a super rich American, but then you kind of flip that over, and then this guy's Nipsey Hussle—he, you know, he's an African American guy. He had tattoos, you know, not something you would even relate to in the Trump sense. But this guy came from pennies to being a multimillionaire. so I think if you asked, you know, the average person be like, oh, would, would you tax him at 50%, they'd be like, no, he just came up from nothing, he created this all on his own, you know, def- definitely a lot different than what Donald Trump is, but you have to put them both together, because these are the people you're talking about taxing at that rate, and that's why it's just insane to think that any stature that people think that it is okay to tax somebody at a sixty to seventy percent rate, and the reason I want to talk about the capital gains tax is because so i 'm somebody you know I love reading stocks, I love investing you know i I, I buy stocks I sell stocks you know it 's something that I truly enjoy and it 's crazy to think about you know. The better I do, the higher I get taxed. And once again, this all kind of like starts falling falling into a tax bracket. So then all of a sudden, my income starts kind of to, to increase, you know, because once again, I'm trying to move up in my life. And that's why I'm saying it's so hard to be rich nowadays because there's so many hands in everyone's pockets from from the government from taking out know, checks from you know insurance is getting crazy expensive you know and then at the same time you're trying to have a family you're trying to take care of you're trying to you're trying to produce for for your wife and kids you're trying to move up in that set that stature as well so you know it's just a, this constant like you know you're kind of like trying to grab at rocks and grow while the rocks are kind of coming out from under you because with every kind of step up you go there's more money coming out of your coming out of that paycheck so you know the reason why you know i really did want to focus on this today is just because of that overall thought okay i think i think whenever us as americans whenever you just fill out your taxes you're not aware of things you're just filling it out sending it off you know whatever i get back however much i have to pay it is what it is whatever i think it's extremely important to look at how much money did you spend this year in taxes you know like how much money did you really give back to the government and once again i think taxes are a very useful thing i think that the government has to make sure that we use them in the right way. I think there's a lot of things going on right now that we could use our our tax money for a better a better system for right now. Um, you know, I, I think that there's there, there's a laundry list of things that need to get helped. I personally, I'm very big in education. I think I think educating our people, providing more services for our education providers, I think is huge. And at the same time, is making sure that you know those educate you know the the teachers. You know, they they have to go do student teaching and not get not get any money for that at all. You know, and I think that that's, you know, once again, you just you're basically just giving up time and you're just kind of creating more and more debt with this as well. As you know, what would happen if you know we had some kind of payback system where the government, you know, to to make the teachers kind of elevated, they did you know yearly seminars to where they paid for these teachers to go to these seminars and continue their education, because once again we're only as smart as the people teaching our kids, and I think it's huge that you know we have our tax dollars going towards a certain portion of our education, you know, pulling out, you know, I think the biggest thing is I heard, especially in New Mexico, you know, them cutting like different arts and you know cutting different sports, and you know in the state of Arizona I heard that they cut um, junior college sports and you know all this stuff is extremely important for the development of kids and for the development of just overall the future of America Um, so that's that's why I say you know like look to see what your taxes are and I think it's also important you know make sure make sure that just you know as a community we're you know most people probably listening to this are you know within the within the forty and under age range, I would guess. Um maybe a couple older peeps. Um but you know nonetheless, you know, this is this is our future kind of coming up. And if we're not educated in where our taxes are going to and what our tax money is coming from, it's very important. So, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, I saw that you know, of course, the biggest thing was whenever Trump got the money for the wall, you know, was like, oh well, you know, he's just pulling money out of all these different things, and you know, the money came from my i from what I saw on the news and I hate quoting anything I saw on the news because you don't know how accurate it is it was pulled from 29 other other different departments and funds and all this stuff but once again when you pull 29 different funds you know it doesn't the, the news doesn't really you know say what this is getting pulled from you know what part of this is getting pulled from it just says oh well they're pulling this from you know the military well what portion of the military is it coming from or you know it. You know it, it's it's all just kind of a haze. Just like whenever you hear the my favorite one, I always talk about this one. Anytime I talk about any kind of politics is when there you see something get run on the news, and it's like, oh, this person voted for this, but they don't say that. Well, in that bill that they voted for, there was also forty other things they voted for. So whenever the whenever the, you vote, whenever they vote on stuff, there's only so many things that they can actually be voting for. So it's just kind of crazy stuff in the with, with politics, but. Nonetheless, um, I do think it is extremely important just to see, you know, like where your tax money is going for. So, um, and then, but the other point is, is, um, being married, filed jointly together. Um, and then being a single, um, is definitely a big difference. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to get married this year just so we can actually, um, file jointly. Definitely, definitely some benefits to that. Um, But that's what I want to talk about as far as just the tax brackets. I think it's important. And also, you know, just kind of, you know, want to put different thoughts out there as well, as far as, you know, who are the super rich, who is getting taxed at these different rates and, you know, how impactful is that really, you know, you're talking about taxing people at a, you know, a 60 to 70% rate that to me, it's, that should almost, that should just be naturally just kicked out from us as American people, because that's ruining the American dream. Nobody is going to be able to sustain to be you know everybody everybody wants to be rich i don 't care who you are. everybody wants to be rich, everybody wants to be able to live a certain kind of lifestyle and you know have, have this kind of have this kind of you know futuristic thought process. And, you know, the thing is, is if you start pulling money out of those people, you're kind of destroying the American dream. It's becoming more of like a socialistic thought process of being like, well, if you make a lot of money, you're just going to give, you're just going to be giving 60% of it away. So, you know, once again, if you made $10 million, say you're, you know, you you average $10 million a year and you have to give 60% of that away, you're giving $6 million away on $10 million of profit. I just think it's crazy. But... Nonetheless, let's move into some sports. I know I haven't been talking a ton about sports. I feel like lately, but um, but I just want to talk about this. Um, obviously, kind of now that basketball is somewhat wrapping up, um, baseball season's kind of getting ready to kick off. Bought my first tickets. The Cubs are going to be in Arizona in April, so bought my first tickets out there. Pretty pumped to go watch the Cubbies. Um, but wanted to get into some fantasy football as the draft is right around the corner, and draft football and fantasy football it will always follow shortly after. So I wanted to look at the top 10 guys. You know, once again, I feel like most drafts are 10, 12. I'll I'll look at the top 12 guys. I have the top 20 in front of me, but just want to go through the front ones and just kind of talk about them a little bit. So the first one... what is it? Uh Mr. Quad's Saquon Barkley's the um the first pick off the board, Todd Gurley is going second, Melvin Gordon Melvin Gordon is ranking third, Zeke is going fourth, Alvin Kamara is ranking fifth, um McCaffrey's going sixth, Hopkins seventh. Connor at eight, Adams at nine, Julio Jones at ten, and then we'll just do go up to twelve. So then you have Le'Veon Bell at eleven and Tyreek Hill at twelve. So once again, you look at those top twelve. I think there's going to be a lot of movers. You know, I was kind of shocked to see. to see Gurley still at that two spot, I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty. I would be shocked at, just in my leagues if I saw Gurley go before the five spot. I think more than likely you're going to see a Barkley go one. I think you're going to see a Zeke go two. Um, I think then you'll probably see a Kamara or Gordon go three, four. You know, I think those two will kind of be interchangeable. And then I think that's where you're going to start seeing the people just like, you know, Gurley sitting at five people are I just feel like they're gonna be like or you know sitting at that yeah you know, that five or six spot they're just gonna be like well shit I have to take him so I think that Gurley and McCaffrey are gonna be right around the same spot once again this is if people don't want to draft wide receivers I feel like wide receivers drop 10 uh, typically so then then you know according to this you know has DeAndre Hopkins at seven James Conner at eight and Devonte Adams at nine I actually disagree with this. I actually think Julio Jones will go above, above both those guys. I just think that year in, year out, he's just a super big producer. Um, you know, every year he just has tons of yards. He's, you know, he I know there was a big joke that he didn't score touchdowns last year, but definitely gonna be someone to catch on to. James Connor, I just don't see him going that early. Seeing him there at eight, I don't know. I just don't see him going at eight. Obviously, my brother's a Steelers fan. I'm sure he would be super happy to draft Connor in the first round. Um but you know, Le'Veon Bell sitting at eleven, it just depends on how healthy you think he's gonna be. Um, I think somebody to kind of keep an eye on that is gonna be a big mover is Odell Beckham. Um I think Odell Beckham will more than likely move up. Um, but that's just my own personal thought. I don't I just I, I don't know. James Conner was my first round draft pick. I mean, obviously you, I think running backs are usually pretty hyped in fantasy football. I just don't know if I would take James Conner with my first overall pick. I think I would feel much better. Um taking you know uh, right now i'm drafting last of my draft you know out of 10 so you know if you look at that it's like well you know you're looking according to this i'd have julio jones but you know i could see i think deandre hopkins Devonte adams julio jones all go before him so that's sitting in that 10th spot so then i would feel okay probably drafting you know as funny as it would be it'd be kind of hilarious to have james connor and Le'Veon bell on the same team um but that wouldn't be a bad one-two punch there um i don't think i would take antonio brown because i think it's too much kind of too much up in the air i actually am a huge fan of joe mixon i think joe mixon i think he has a ton of upside and everyone's talking about how how much they love Nick Chubb I think out of all the people in the offense from Cleveland Nick Chubb is going to be the biggest downgrade and that's just my own thought that's the reason why I say that is just because I think with Nick Chubb being back there obviously you know you're not gonna be able to crowd the box but you have a lot of mouths to feed I don't think he's gonna be catching the balls out of the backfield like he did last year because all of a sudden, you have to get the ball to Odell Beckham. You have to get the ball to Landry Jones. You have to get the ball to Njoku. And then, you know, don't forget, you still have, you still have, you know, maybe like one or two other wide receivers in there. Um, I think they have, what is his name, Caldwell, I think is his name. Um, you know, he was an early draft pick. You know, he's going to catch a couple balls out there. And then on top of that is then you're going to have... um. You're going to have, what's his name, the other the running back that ended up kicking that girl. Um, he's going to be coming back, I think, week nine. So, you know, you you have basically half a season with him basically being solo. And he's definitely not someone I'm taking in my top ten. Um, I think the other, the other kind of interesting part will be to see how early people start drafting tight ends. I think that's going to be a fascinating part of everyone's draft this year. Just because last year there was literally three tight ends. And if you didn't have one of those three, it was a crapshoot every week. You know, it was, you know... Cook, um, who's not the, the tight end at the Saints, I think might be a great um, you know mid round pick. But you know he was somebody who he would he would blast for you know twenty points for Oakland because he was a leading receiver for Oakland last year. And then you wouldn't get anything else out of him for like three weeks. So you know last year you had basically Kelsey Ertz and um, and Kittle. You had those three, and then everybody else just fell off. I had OJ Howard. He did great for me, but then he got hurt. I think in like week nine or ten. Um, so once again, it'll be very fascinating to see, you know, Kelsey right there as of right now, he's actually ranked the 20th player off the board, which is crazy to see a tight end that early. Um, but once again, if you can have the best in position, you know, if you're the number one draft pick, that means that he's coming back to you. So if you can have the best player at whatever position you want to draft, you know, more than likely taking a running back. You're taking your best thought of option at running back, and then you can guarantee having the best option at tight end. It's a pretty great draft for you right off the bat. You're getting a number one, number one right there, um, and then you get a kick around in the third round and take your next, next whatever you want to. So, I think, I think those, I think the tight ends are going to be fascinating. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a fascinating guy with with drafting as well. They have him going in the second round right now. Like I think it's like pick two. To number like I think nine right now so once again at the very end of the second round and once again Patrick Mahomes definitely won people leagues last year I think the guy who won our league had Patrick Mahomes um So you know, definitely won some leagues, but I mean, how early is are you going to take him, and then what are you going to be giving up to get him? You know, because I mean, if you're drafting him in the second round, you're basically going to have more than likely a running back, wide receiver, and then Patrick Mahomes, and then you're going to be drafting a running back or tight, either running back or if you go tight end super early, a tight end. But you know, your position players are going to be taking a huge downgrade unless you get super lucky, like a lot of people did last year, getting um, getting Connor off waivers um you know i think late in the year with um with hunt going down that's the running back i was talking trying to think of earlier with hunt going down um being ineligible for half the season and then you know you p- people picked up where i think once again um I, with damian williams i think he's a good guy um so once again i just think in that first round i think that you know it's kind of set within the first i think I think there's going to be probably 12 guys that have potential to go in the first round. Um, to me, once again, I think, you know, I think just out of this order, I don't see James Connor going in the first round unless it's the last pick of the first round. I just don't see it. Um, I I could see Devonte Adams just simply because people love him being lined up with um, with Aaron Rodgers. He had a fantastic year last year. But once again, you have to think about where he was drafted last year. He wasn't drafted in the first round last year, so what your value was last year if Worm was fantastic, but you didn't get him in the first round. So you know if you have James Connors, let's just say he falls out of the first round. And, you know, that leaves that leaves Devontae Adams moving up, Julio Jones moving up. And then Le'Veon Bell maybe falls into the end of the first round. Um, James Conner, once again, we, I kind of pulled him out. But, you know, I think those two are right there. And then, you know, once again, I think you also have Odell Beckham, Joe Mixon, and, um, and David Johnson. You know, I think David Johnson is going to be – whoever had David Johnson last year is going to be be off of David Johnson because he burned him so bad. He just wasn't that – he was probably, I think, the average third running back – third – running back off the board last year and just just kind of shit the bed so um so i think this year you know you're going to kind of have a mixture but once again new offense new offense coordinator you know we'll kind of see what uh the cardinals do in the draft i think david johnson will be a good draft pick especially you know if somebody drafts let's just say for instance someone drafts um Hopkins with like the seventh overall pick sixth overall pick and then you're sitting there you want to get a running back with your next pick and David Johnson falls to you that's not too bad of a little mix but to have um, Hopkins and David Johnson on as your number ones right there so just a little bit of fantasy football stuff though I think it's you know it's, once again I, I enjoy this stuff a lot it kind of makes the year kind of go by I think it's you know and when I say go by I mean it gives you kind of something to kind of talk about with your friends and something to look forward to I, I truly enjoy you know playing fantasy football it's almost like a huge game of risk essentially you're kind of picking your pieces kind of moving around the board you know kind of you know you have to play certain players sometimes you certainly don't so it's a great time and plus we usually have a pretty good chunk of money on the board so so it'll it'll be pretty fun um and then just going into actual basketball some fantastic games i felt super bad for purdue um I, man i thought that game was wrapped up for them and then they had that you know, thought the coach did a great job, fouled um they fouled the Virginia player. You know, he made the first free throw, which was clutch. You got to give him credit. You know, that's what you gotta do. You gotta make that first one. And then he bounces it off the front of the rim. Um, they had that dude slap it way back past towards um half court. They get the ball back into the paint. They get his last second, you know, I think it was like point three on the second when he left his hand. Gets it, makes it overtime, and then they just take it over from there. They they end up winning by five. I think it was considered one of the worst NCAA beats of all time because Purdue was was plus four and a half. So that means um, Virginia had to win by four and a half points and Purdue lost by five. So pretty much the entire game, if you had money on Purdue, you were sitting fantastic and then they made the last free throw and blew that over or blew that cover, so really, really rough day if you're in the gambling markets um and then, you know, Duke loses, which is massive, pretty much every single bracket, I feel like that was the most common thing, I think in my bracket pools that I'm in, I think every single national champion right now that's been picked has been able to lose, except for um, Virginia, my buddy Josh Weber has Virginia, so I think he cashed, he cashed a huge ticket tonight as well, he chose Michigan State, um, and he parlayed that with the under, so he had a really good night, Um, so just some really fun stuff out there, Duke losing, you know, I, am I know there's a ton of Duke fans everyone's gonna say oh you're a hater because they're so good and 100% I am I'm so t- you know I you know I think it's good to see some other teams in the mix um, you know I want I had Kentucky in my uh, championship game I think my dad had Kentucky winning it all um, once again same thing Kentucky had that game pretty much in hand the entire game and then Auburn forces into overtime, and then Auburn just kind of takes it over. And the big thing too is Kentucky missed a free throw. Um, it was a one and one, missed that free throw, and then after that, it was it was over from there. They they were down by two, missed the free throw, missed the one and one free throw. They got the rebound, go up by four, and then it was over from there. That Kentucky couldn't couldn't get back. So kind of wild. Um, but I would say the biggest ones were that Purdue game. Purdue was wild. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what was the other one. Um, Oh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Texas Tech. I'm sorry. That game was wild, too. I know um, I have a couple friends that went to uh, Texas Tech. I know that is a crazy atmosphere down there. Um, but I know that was a huge game for them as well. I think this is the first Final Four appearance. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say in program history. But I know Auburn's, it's their first... four first. Um, final four appearance in program history and then I think Virginia is their first program final four in like since the 80s so pretty good stuff and then once again I'm a big Izzo fan I think the guy he he doesn't only coach players I think he's I think he's a great mentor for kids you know I think you know i I saw them getting after him for yelling at a kid on the sideline and you know, growing up, I don't know. Every single one of my coaches yelled at me. My college coach, you, his nickname for me was You Dumb Motherfucker. That was my nickname. So the fact that these people are upset that he's yelling at kids is insane to me. I, I love it. I think that that's what sports is. So, But nonetheless, um, great series, um, great NCAA March Madness. I definitely had all kinds of upsets. The Auburn game, I called that upset in the first round. 100% Auburn should have lost in the first round of New Mexico State. 100%. The kid had three free throws. It was their number one score. He makes one out of three free throws and loses the game. And they even got the rebound, kicked it out for a wide open three, and the kid airballed the three. So, not saying I'm bitter, but I definitely have towards that one because I could have changed my bracket. Um, But nonetheless, guys, Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this a little bit all over the place today, talking taxes, talking fantasy football, and then wrapping up as some March Madness. But I hope you guys have a great start to your week. I'll do another one in the middle of this week, kind of getting back on that that two-a-week kind of a system. Um, but have a great night, and I hope you guys have a um, good start to your week. Thanks, guys.